watch Tim wishes you good luck and Godspeed. Brain Jar, you are a man that perhaps needs no introduction. We don't know a lot about you, but we do know a lot about your work and what you're building. Your twin parachains, Composable and Picasso, aim to abstract away the complexities of DeFi, and as you said the last time you were on the channel, to bring DeFi to the rest of the world. Ranger, very excited to have you here, and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've had a lot of questions from our audience, but I thought I'd start with what looks like is going to be the heart of it all, the liquidity pump, your multi-layer cross-chain network of bridges mosaic. The last time you were here, first week of October, you were about a month into your capped trials. What can you tell us about how those trials went? Maybe some surprises you came across along the way and what the product looks like now going into this launch coming up in, well, I think the relatively near future. So we learned a lot about user behavior. We realized that the majority of users are doing small transactions, but that there are several players that are always seeking to move large amounts from chain to chain. And obviously this was like a capped POC, but a lot of people actually did hit this cap. Um, and what was exciting to see is like our dynamic fee model that deals with like larger volumes and can adjust accordingly based on source and destination liquidity was able to um, sort of like average out these edge cases with a sort of end result that our dynamic fee model allowed us to actually have around 0.3% fee per transfer. So that's like less than most um, bridges out there. Wow. So basically our math kind of held up and now we're taking a much more aggressive approach for our like actual full rollout of Mosaic now. Um, of course, you may have heard that we're now connecting EVM compatible chains to Picasso. Yep. So that's going to be sort of like the first EVM compatible to like Kuzama bridge ever. So that should be exciting to drive like initial liquidity in the ecosystem. Yep. But yeah, I think there's like a lot of, of additional features I'm excited to be revealing and talking more about in the coming weeks. All right. Amazing. And I'm curious, where did you find the most action coming from on Mosaic? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been very interesting just to see like the flow over time. Like initially it was Arbitrum, hmm. then it was Moon River. Right. Now it's like Phantom. So oh. it's like a lot of like, you know, it, it fluctuates very much based on the market. Um, there's always movements in and out of Polygon. Um, there's more movements off mainnet to L2s and EVM compatible chains. Avalanche kind of wound down quite a bit in terms of transfer volume. Mm. So yeah, it's like very interesting to see these dynamics. And for people who haven't used it before, what can they expect as far as transfer times and fees going into the full launch of the product? Yeah, I mean, fees, again, should, should you know, they fluctuate, it's dynamic. So if you want to swap to somewhere that has less liquidity than, uh, you know, than other chains, <laughs> you'll have uh, a higher fee. However, like for the most part, again, the average fees was, was you know, 0.3%. So normally it should be mm -hmm. quite cheap. And, and for mo and again, like our full rollout of Mosaic is Mosaic really becomes not really, not really a bridge, but more so like, I, I'm still trying to figure out the tagline for this, but yeah, I was too. <laughs> we, we have this like 
rebalancing stuff. It allows for liquidity to be like distributed to the places that are necessary. We have forecasting to inform this rebalancing. We have bots to uh, assist with this rebalancing. So it's like Mosaic is a lot more than a bridge. It's like almost like a liquidity yeah. transfer aggregation system uh, that taps into multiple bridges as well. So I think it's, I think people should expect that they can make larger bridge transfers on Mosaic than, than on other bridges for sure, because of this sophistication. And then time-wise it's very fast as well. Like the only upper bound of time that we really have is confirmations necessary to actually execute transfers. We've heard a lot about bridges lately and bridge safety. I know Vitalik came out with that cross-chain versus multi-chain thing I saw you having a response to. What can you say about this bridge safety issue? Is Mosaic operating on a completely different level? And if it's not, how are you guys mitigating the risks of creating a tempting honeypot for hackers to come and steal funds like we've seen over and over again? I mean, at the end of the day, we have lots of plans to add additional security features to Mosaic. We have like insurance models, we have staking and slashing models, we have Oracle controlled models. Like there's a lot of different things we're thinking about adding for security, but I think every bridge is basically vulnerable. The only bridges that are like not vulnerable are basically bridges that are fully light client base that wait for proofs to be submitted by sequencers on different L2s. And those things take like an hour plus to actually happen. So it's like, do you, do people, and I think generally speaking, most people try to, um, use whichever bridge just suits their needs. Yeah. And so like, you know, for us, for Mosaic, we're, our main focus is like, to become more so the tokamak of bridging huh. than becoming the best bridge. And of course, we have our own sort of technology we're working on to make our bridges more trustless and, and stuff like that. But again, like I think what the ecosystem really needs is not just it's not just solving the security problem, but also solving the actual UX and liquidity issue. And that's really what Mosaic is designed to do. And I, I'd say from a security standpoint, we you know we have audits, we, we work we have like quarterly audits with trail of bits and others. So like we have a very close eye on security, but I think the main focus really for any bridge project should be how do we optimize UX and how do we optimize liquidity? Um, and for us, like actually we, because we tap into other bridges, like we're vulnerable if other bridges basically go down or, or get, or get hacked. Right. And so that's why we have to design insurance strategies and, and stuff like that. Interesting. And so when you get this liquidity flowing, that's all going to be coming right into the DEX you just announced called Pablo. And not only that, before you launch, you're also going to have a channel coming from StateMind so that we can get Kusama in there as well. This kind of everything DEX, something we've all been waiting for since, uh, well, the first parachain was one on Kusama. What makes Pablo different than other DEXs we've experienced and what excites you most about it? I mean, I think this, I mean, obviously a bunch of Ohm forks have died recently. Like there's a whole bunch of FUD about Ohm, whatever, whatever. Like I still believe in protocol own liquidity as a strategy for protocols to bootstrap their own um, like treasuries to then be able to offer yielding opportunities across the ecosystem. For us, Pablo, like 
I would be concerned if Pablo was just a protocol owned AMM. So, I mean, the way the most bullish thing about it, right, is the fact that you liquidity provide uh-huh. and then you receive Pablo as a discount. Basically, you like pretty much bond your LP tokens from on this DEX and then, you know, the Picasso treasury then owns the actual LP tokens. Now, yeah. it is it doesn't just really end there. And that's what makes me bullish about Picasso. I mean, I mean, of course, I'm bullish about Picasso, but on, on Pablo and <laughs> the other primitives we have, because it is it is a circular loop. Mm-hmm. So once the LP tokens hit the treasury, you know, then the treasury can generate yield off of these LP tokens and pass that yield onto chaos holders. Right. Um, and it just and then from there, like we're able to then direct some of this yield and some of this liquidity to providing liquidity incentives to other projects, for instance, Angular that will launch. Like these are things that Kuzama Treasury should be doing, but they're not. So we have to basically do it ourselves. And that's really Pablo is this initial stepping stone for us to have this type of um wow. I guess like capability and base liquidity to offer these like incentives and yield directing things okay okay yeah i get i guess that just hit me kind of the uh, the scope of the vision there if we could just tease out these these tokens just for a second uh pablo pika and chaos so the use cases of pablo those are doing uh, dex fees and anything else for pablo yeah pablo you also control whitelisted bonds so not not every pair can bond for pablo okay and so obviously then there's like you know uh, various bribing mechanics that we can implement and mm. different things to, to get the, you know, new protocols and want to bootstrap a bunch of liquidity. They can also request liquidity incentives from the Pablo decks as well in the form of Pablo tokens, right. Or have like a deep discount on bonds. So, okay. And Pika's use cases now, what, what can you tell us about those? Yeah. So Pika's use cases, like, again, it's the, it's the token of our chain. So mm-hmm. there's like, it's getting used for collator and Oracle staking. But also beyond that, it's it's of course used in the decks. It's of course used in like to bond for chaos. And so I think from from the Pika use case standpoint, it's it's pretty much like I wouldn't say reserve currency, but it pretty much becomes like the lifeblood of the chain. The same way KSM is the lifeblood of Kuzama. Mm. Um, that's really like how I see Pika. And then I think chaos really just becomes like leveraged exposure to Topeka, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to get exposure to what Pika is doing, then you get exposure to chaos. Um, and chaos is basically just like, how do I get, um, how do I get a ton of yield flowing towards, uh, towards my like, what can I hold that allows me to get a leverage exposure to not only Pika but also to what's happening in the Picasso ecosystem? And that's really that's basically what chaos is. The use cases of chaos is basically if you're bullish on Picasso as an ecosystem as a whole, then you basically buy chaos. If you want to, if you want to basically get exposure to Pika getting used for additional infrastructure components, additional um, like incentives and bonding opportunities and different things, then, then you hold Pika. Um, and then if you want to basically have control of the, of Pablo in a lot of the same ways that curve CRV governs curve, then you hold Pablo. 
Okay. And which is the governance token for the entire chain? Would that be Picasso? That's Pika, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. That's the other use case. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> and for us, like, for us, that actually really matters because every pallet needs to go through a runtime upgrade. So if somebody really doesn't want to see an application go through on our chain, you could just bribe all the Pika holders to like vote no. Yeah. Right. And this is like bribe protocol is becoming very increasingly important for our chain because of like things we're introducing like gauges and rewards and stuff like that. Yeah, Bribe has really been blowing my mind. And I was actually thinking if, if Pika is the main governance token here, and it seems like chaos is kind of a black hole for Pika, actual free-floating Pika available for governance decisions, that's going to be pretty rare or, or pretty valuable, isn't it? Of course. Of course, yeah. So you can then start to think about, we'd expect protocols to buy Pika themselves, right? Right. We expect pallets themselves to buy to buy Pika. Anybody that wants to deploy into the Picasso ecosystem as a pallet probably will need to own some Pika. I mean, we don't want it to be like uh -huh. that adversarial in the beginning, but uh -huh. that's kind of the idea. Is Bribe your favorite pallet right now? I don't want to pick favorites, but <laughs> it's definitely one of my favorite just because there's a ton of use cases, right? And I feel like yeah, there's no, yeah. I feel like there's just like so much stuff that needs to happen in Kusama and if there's just a new way to generate yields that is real dollars of course it's bribing but bribing is not always doesn't always have a negative connotation i think these straight up like you know basically earn stable coin yield from bribes is pretty compelling yeah super compelling i'm also excited about whirlpool i guess that's going to be a little bit further down in the launch yeah, Whirlpool, Whirlpool like has really emerged. It's, it used to just be really like a mixer, right? But I teased out mm -hmm. things like, uh, I teased out things like, you know, connecting it to the secret Brit, like secret network and potentially having this Whirlpool become itself a gateway for private bridging. And then you can imagine things like, oh yeah, I want to move from Cosmos to ETH in a very uh, private manner. If you don't even care about Kuzama, you'd use Whirlpool because you just use it as a hop, basically. So you hop from like Osmosis to Secret Network, go through Whirlpool, then go to ETH. <clears throat> now you have basically private assets on ETH now. Crazy. And Whirlpool is just working in the background, yeah. I mean, that's, that's like crazy to think about, but that's kind of how I imagine things for Whirlpool. And how about Arturo? We haven't heard much about it since you guys announced. Uh, any progress over there? Yeah, Arturo, they're basically building like uh, rules engines, which is you know a very good use case of Substrate. So <clears throat> they're kind of waiting for Pablo to be ready. And then from there, they can create things like limit orders and, and all these like sophisticated trading rules to allow for people to make orders that are controlled and executed by the chain itself. Um, mm -hmm. So that that is a bit farther out. I'd say like near-term focuses are definitely, you know, our Oracle. Apollo. Apollo, Cubic, the Vault's Palette, yeah. Pablo, Chaos, um, Angular, of course. And then, you know, thereafter, it's like kind of a free-for-all.
So how's the user experience looking? And, and one of our audience members specifically wanted to know if, if this is all hinging on Talisman or, or if you guys are looking at building your own. So as far as front ends go, we've tried to make it like the number of times you use Polkadot.js hopefully should be very limited right. like on, on the front end. Um, we have been exploring, th- like working with Talisman. We are like kind of collaborating there. Uh, but to be honest, like to use our front end, you just have to, and to use any of our applications, you'll just connect your Polkadot.js wallet once. And then you can just, you just need to click approve. And then you're like in there, you wouldn't even know you're using Polkadot.js. That's how we've thought about it so far. And I mean, yeah, like when I get a bit more time, I'd like to definitely tackle the wallet problem myself, probably. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'd all love to see what that would look like. Um, but no rush, you, you know, you have a lot going on, I guess. How about partnerships? Uh, you guys just announced a partnership with Remark. Anybody else you're excited about in this space? Within Dotsama, I'm, I mean, definitely excited about Moonbeam, Moon River. Oh yeah, of course. Other partnerships we haven't really talked about too much within Dotsama, but outside of Dotsama, we have a lot of cool things brewing. Of course, with like some people I've hinted at at the past like some large groups interested in becoming pallets as well. So yeah, that's all like very cool. And of course, this like developing sushi situation. What's the developing sushi situation? Well, I mean, Joe DeLong left, right? And oh, so yeah. then now sushi is like all up to like, like kind of getting commandeered by Daniele and the Frog Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think recent events are showing that that might not go exactly as planned. So I'm not entirely sure um, how that's going to play out, but don't be surprised if I toss my hat into the ring as, (laughs) yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to elaborate any further on that. You don't need to. You don't. That's plenty. That's plenty. And if you guys can pull all this off, it's going to, completely changed the fabric of Dotsama. It, it's going to open so many doors. We've been, we've been just standing on the other side of for, for a year now. I think other projects are probably going to want to connect to you guys and probably going to want to tap into the liquidity that you've brought to the ecosystem. Do you have a plan to allow other parachains and projects to join in on the fun? Yeah, for sure. I mean, any parachains that wants to work with us, they just have to come and you know chat with us and we open up a, a channel, right? I, I think it's like... At some point, we'd like to very quickly, you know, move to a model where it's trustless. But I think, yeah, it's not, it's not necessarily like the best sort of, it's not really up to me. So like, that's really up to like Web3 and Parity, how quickly they want to proceed to that model. Okay. Well, Brainjar, we'll wrap it up here. I really appreciate you taking the time to answer all these questions. I, I just had one more for you because, you know, you guys are doing so much, working so quickly. And yeah, I think the major question I, I heard a lot when I was prepping for this interview was, what if something goes wrong? Is, is moving this fast a risk? And if so, how are you guys mitigating that risk and making sure that everything turns out exactly as we hope it does? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes, right? So like, there's like 40 people working. I think we might have one of the largest teams in Dotsama. Yeah. Um, we have multiple auditing teams <clears throat> that assist us with like 
reviewing our code and stuff like that. So, and we have like multiple QA engineers that do testing. Mm-hmm. Um, nonetheless, like, you know, we have a lot, we have, we seem like we're doing a lot, yeah. um, but all talk, you know, talk is cheap until we actually like ship and deliver things. Yeah. Um, and so I think like the shipment is more phased than you would think. I mean, we did release like phasings for, uh, the Picasso roadmap. And that's very much how we're going to approach it. Like each step will not be moved to until we think that the last step is stable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Gotcha. Well, um, Brainjar, thanks for everything you're doing and, um, you know, just injecting so much excitement and hope into the ecosystem. Is there anything you want to leave our audience with before you go? Yeah, no, I mean, <clears throat> I think the last thing I'll say is, uh, I think a lot of people have interpreted my, uh, injection of excitement into the ecosystem as adversarial. Oh, brain jars trying to take over Kuzama and Polkadot, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if people are actually saying that, but I've just been getting like vibes from people um, just around. So I do want to be very clear that like, I'm probably, you know, I personally am very collaborative. Like I tell people all the time on my AMAs to just DM me at brain jar and people actually do so um if people have if other projects or if people have qualms or want like to chat about things i'm always available and so i'd like for people to understand like i'm doing what i'm doing not because i'm trying to target or or be adversarial with any project but more so just because like kuzama and Polkadot is dead and has been dead for a while unfortunately and I see it as an opportunity for us all to rise together. And so like, I just wanted to say that just to clear up any confusion or any like animosity that might be stewing behind the scenes. Yeah, well, thanks for clearing that up. And the truth hurts, but uh, it's really nice to hear someone talking about it. And everybody I know who works with you um, absolutely loves it and is totally charged up and excited. And um, Yeah, dude, I can't wait to see what happens over the next few months. And just once again, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it.